I'm your host, Jay Wald, and welcome to another weekly podcast of Deeper Dive, brought to you by Plantation SCA Church. This is Season 5, Episode 7, and my wonderful co-host should be coming and joining us shortly. That is Dawn, as everyone knows, the world's greatest co-host. She'll be on in just a moment. But I want to thank each and everybody for taking the time out to listen to us. As always, any questions, comments, and concerns, please text us via WhatsApp, 954 388 8780. And as always, you ask for you to subscribe to our channel, deeperdive.plantationsda.tv. And today we got a brother from the archives. And he hasn't been on here in a while. So we want to let everybody know that this brother is the Mysterial Field Secretary for the uh, Florida Conference. But I like to know, I like to let everybody know he's AKA Pastor Baritone. Welcome, Pastor Gervon Marsh. Thank you, Jay Wald. Um, yeah, I love when you introduce me, man. Thank you. That's about you got it. That's it, man. Nobody has that title. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody has that title but you, brother. I know I'm in competition when you step on the stage. <laughs> no competition, man. You win. You win. And, uh... <laughs> Maybe it is mediums. <laughs> but it's always good to have you. How's the family? Family is doing well. And yours? No, everybody's good over here, my brother. Everybody's good and we're blessed. Awesome. All right, as we always do, let's start with a word of prayer and we will proceed. Father God, thank you once again for all you've done for us, Lord. If it wasn't for your grace and mercy, Lord, where would we be? So we thank you. Lord, we thank you for uh, just the essentials of life, Lord. Thank you for blessing us with the stewardship of, of being blessed with the things you have, you've given us to do. So continue to bless this podcast, bless the speaker, bless the components, Every part of this message that will go to someone, they will seek Christ and be blessed. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, my brother. Amen. You come in gracious at Plantation once again. So it's always a wonderful time. As we always do, let's start with a word of prayer. Father God, thank you once again for all you've done for us, Lord. If it wasn't for grace and mercy, where would we be? We thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us, Lord. Lord, continue to keep us in your perfect will. We thank you for this podcast. We thank you for the speaker. Lord, we thank you for the host and co-host and all the components to make everything possible for your glory. We thank you in the name of Jesus. And guess what? The co-host. Mm-hmm. Welcome, Don. Hello, hello. How are you? All right. Good to have you here. Good to have you thank here. Thank you. So you know who's here now, a.k.a. Baritone. Yeah, yeah, he's here. <laughs> <laughs> hello hello pastor marsh how are you i am blessed i'm blessed how are you i'm doing well i'm doing well all right well let's start with the sermon title mm. keep the fire burning what what uh right. made you come with that uh pastor uh keep the fire burning um well it's rooted directly in the text actually in the text in Leviticus. 24, 1 to 4, he mm-hmm. talks about the fire um, associated with the golden candles, candlesticks in the sanctuary that Moses built, that it was never supposed to go out. It was always supposed to be shining. So yes. that's where that came from, right there in the text, keep the fire burning. Um, didn't want to say keep the lamps continually burning or you know, anything like that. So keep the fire burning. Okay, we appreciate that. So, Pastor, um the sanctuary message 
very powerful message. I, I saw lots of elements within your sermon regarding that and, of course, with the fire, keeping the fire burning. How important do you think the sanctuary message is for our people or Christians on a whole in this day and age that we're living in? You know, I think that that sanctuary message is the most essential message for Seventh-day Adventists and for all Christians. Mm -hmm. um, this message was associated with what we call one of the great um, Advent Awakening, which happened here in America. Right. And people who were not Seventh-day Adventists, so the Millerite movement, which include people from the Baptist, the Methodist, and other denominations, they started to study the prophecies of Daniel and Revelation, and mm -hmm. specifically the sanctuary system. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, as pointed out in the sermon, they misunderstood what it mm -hmm. meant that the sanctuary would be cleansed. But I think they got wind of the fact that this was a, such an important message because right now, according to Hebrews and according to other passages in the Bible, Jesus is in the heavenly sanctuary mm -hmm. interceding in our behalf. In Hebrews chapter 8, it talks mm -hmm. about the fact that we have a, a minister in a better sanctuary, which is the one in heaven. Mm -hmm. And if Jesus is in the sanctuary doing something for us, I would want to know what he's doing, and that would captivate my attention. So this is important for everyone, whether you're Seventh-day Adventist or not. Why is Jesus in the sanctuary, and what is he doing there that is relevant to my life and to your life? Mm -hmm. okay. Amen. Amen. So a little bit more on the sanctuary. Talk to us about the golden candlesticks representation. Wonderful. So... I mentioned in the sermon the fact that the the sanctuary and its services is the gospel enfolded. Um, that means you will find in the sanctuary the gospel in types and symbols. Mm -hmm. So everything about it pointed to the gospel. Remember, the, the sanctuary on earth was given to the children of Israel as they journeyed from Egypt to Canaan, and eventually a sanctuary was built on Mount Zion in Jerusalem, but all of this was pointing to what Jesus would do when he comes. Mm -hmm. And so the golden candlesticks, as does every other aspect of the sanctuary service, in one sense or another, points to the ministry that Jesus uh, has effected for us through our salvation. Um, he is the light of the world, and yes. we are called to let our light shine, but our light is not about us it's really the light that he gives to us and so as pointed out from revelation 1 verse 20 while the candlesticks represent what jesus has accomplished it also represents what he wants to accomplish through us the church yeah. right. and what is beautiful about it which i i'm telling you when you're preaching um pastor rose don't kill me but especially in the first service no time to, to unpack this thing yeah, unpack it yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I got you. I got you. <laughs> but um, it's interesting when you read Exodus 25, where the Bible describes the creation of this golden candlestick, it was literally chiseled out of one solid block of gold. So it wasn't multiple pieces of gold that were brought together. It was one solid block of gold and they chiseled it into existence. And, and, and there's a lesson there for us because... Ultimately, we are told that when he has tried us, that is God, we will come forth as pure gold. Mm -hmm. And his church has to sometime as members and as a church feel the, the, the blow of the hammer of, 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 
of the one who is guiding our path. Yep. He understands mm-hmm. that many of us, there are things about us that he needs to remove. And mm-hmm. just like that, that, that uh, artisan's blow would shape the candlesticks from that solid block of gold. He's mm-hmm. literally shaping us into who he wants us to be through life's circumstances and all the things that we go through. And that's why I made the point that the church may not be perfect, but the God of the church is perfect because Amen. he will make something beautiful out of us ultimately. So the candlesticks represents what God has accomplished for us through Jesus because he's the light of the world. But it also represents the fact that we are the church. It represents a church and the church ultimately will be vindicated and made victorious like pure gold. And while we're here on earth, our responsibility is to ensure that our light is continually shining. In other words, we have to declare to the world the truths and the principles from God's word that he wants to dispel the darkness of sin with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I have a follow-up to my question, which is talking about the sanctuary. Um, Why do you think it is that as a body of church or Christian, it could be Christians. I I think I'll I'll stick with Adventist faith. We don't want to hear all of this stuff from Revelation anymore. We don't think that it's relevant to talk about the sanctuary and the symbolism and the meaning behind the fact that Jesus is right there interceding for us. Why do you think we're just so oblivious to that? And it's like, Please don't preach about that. I've heard it said, please don't preach about that. That's a little bit too much. We need something a little bit more that we can digest. Why do you think that is? I think one of the main reasons that is, Don, is because, and we have to be honest about this, historically, when we have preached the sanctuary message, it is always a message of fire and brimstone, of imminent judgment that, you know what, Jesus is in the sanctuary investigating. And so let me give some context. As Seventh-day Adventists, we believe that since October 22, 1844, Jesus has been in the heavenly sanctuary performing what we call the investigative judgment. Mm -hmm. This is similar to what the children of Israel experienced on the Day of Atonement, also called Yom Kippur. And what we have taught is that your name during this great day of atonement because since 1844 october 22 we've been living in the anti-typical or what we call the great day of atonement mm-hmm. where the records of all human beings who have accepted jesus are being examined the bible mm-hmm. says in peter first peter 4 verse 17 there about that judgment begins in the house of god and so we've preached this message of the investigative judgment as one where Uh, You better be right with God because you never know when your name is going to come up. And if your name comes up and you're not right with God, you'll be eternally doomed. Mm -hmm. And that has scared a lot of people. And Mm -hmm. literally that has turned off a lot of people from the Advent message. There's a book written, a number of books have been written about that, which tries to correct it. Because while it is true that Jesus is performing an investigative judgment where, according to the Bible, there are books in heaven. You have the book of life, you have the book of record, but we won't be able to delve into all of that. He is mm-hmm. examining those truths. We must not forget that even on the, 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 the Day of Atonement, 
when the children of Israel had their Day of Atonement, there was always a morning and evening sacrifice, mm. separate from the uh, sacrifice made to cleanse the sanctuary. In other words, we still have an intercessor who is willing to apply his blood to our lives. And mm -hmm. we can plead the merits of that blood, even in this great day of atonement. And this brings up a very important point, because here's what. In this great day of atonement, people should understand that God does not judge us based on one or two missteps in our lives. It doesn't work like that. God, on the contrary, will judge us based on the trend in our lives. Okay. In other words, if I mess up, well, God is not going to say, all right, you're doomed to hell. But mm -hmm. if I have been consistently choosing wrong, mm -hmm. what other choice do I leave with God than to say, I'm sorry, but you have not chose right, you've been choosing wrong. And in choosing wrong, you will have to be judged accordingly. So mm -hmm. the point is this, even in the Great Day of Atonement, we still have an intercessor who is pleading for us. And yes. if our name comes up and we, by God's grace, have been living in accordance with his will, we have the assurance that he will save us. So once we have dealt with that, where we understand that the sanctuary message is not a message of doom and gloom, mm -hmm. it is actually a message of vindication. Because mm -hmm. the reason Jesus is interceding or even is even examining the records of our lives is to mm -hmm. show that for those of us who accept him, his blood is able to give us the strength to overcome sin. Mm -hmm. And that ultimately will be revealed to the world. So we have not preached it in a very salvific way, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And because of that, many people have been turned off from it. But I've learned that the standard by which I operate is not the failures of others. And so I have to preach his message. And so mm -hmm. I will preach it in a Christ-centered way where men and women understand that even while we are being judged, we mm -hmm. still have someone who loves us and is willing to stand in the gap for us by saying, God, my blood is sufficient to cleanse this one from mm -hmm. sin. And God is not interested. The Bible says that God is long-suffering, he's merciful. He's not willing that any should perish. And yes. so judgment is not about, oh, just handing out judgment so that anyone who messes up perishes. No, for God, he's doing everything to save us. And that's what Jesus is doing in the sanctuary. And so I would encourage us to preach the sanctuary message. And let's do it in a salvific way. Let's not use it to guilt people into wanting to come into the church or anything like that. But use it to demonstrate how potent and powerful the blood of Jesus is to save us and help us to live a victorious life. Amen. Amen. Wow. That's a keep the fire burning sermon, too. It is. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Man, we need to hear that one. <laughs> right. We need to hear that one, my brother. I'll tell you. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you spoke about, uh, okay, you know, the, the purpose of the church is, uh, you know, to uh, be the light of the world. You know, that we go and represent our light so it so shine. But you later spoke about spiritual literacy. Mm. You spoke about knowing knowing it and then applying the word. Why were we still having this problem? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that, that's important. You know, um we 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 cannot overemphasize the importance of the word. Mm -hmm. 
Um, the psalmist literally says, thy word is a lamp to my feet <laughs> and a light to my path. Mm-hmm. So if the Bible is a lamp and a light and we're not using it, mm-hmm. we're going to be in darkness. That's right. You see, we are living in a day and an age where, you know, wrong is right and right is wrong. Mm-hmm. And the church has to be careful to, to, to ensure that we abide by what God wants us to do. And how are we going to do that? We have to yeah. read the word. That's you right. something. There are children who believe that Superman is a Bible character. <laughs> and that's because they don't read their Bibles. Yes. Um, and, 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 and no longer is the Bible, imagine as much as it is so readily available on devices, in print, whatever the case is, no longer is it valued as a book that is important. You know, I, 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 I um, attended public school for a while and mm-hmm. don't, date, don't, don't, don't age me now, but when I was going to public school, again, this is public school, we had to memorize scripture <laughs> and had mm. devotions where wow. scripture and prayer was very important. That doesn't happen yeah. anymore. And it's amazing that? that even if you weren't a Christian, <laughs> even if you were a Christian, you had some knowledge of scripture. Exactly. Wow. Just by you know being in school or whatever the case may be. But now we have raised up a generation of young people who have no knowledge of the scripture and are so indifferent to spiritual things. And yeah. part of the reason for that is because the Bible has been relegated to nothing when in reality it is a lamp and a light that is essential not just for christians but for everyone and i want to encourage us you know read the word you'll be amazed how it will transform our lives if we read it and apply because biblical literacy is not just about head knowledge it's Mm -hmm. knowledge that is put into practice if you practice it it will become more relevant and real to you and so that's that's very important. It's a lamp and a light. Without it, we would be in darkness. Hey, hey, Don, before you answer your question, that that's perfect to what you're saying about the spirit tire issue. Mm. W- would you say so? I think Sorry, so. Say it again, dear Walt. I said what you're just saying would, would, would be in relevance to what you spoke about the spirit tire issue. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> Yeah, it's amazing. And you know what? I'm preaching and I'm asking them about their spare tire. And honestly, I didn't even know if there was one in my car. <laughs> well, I do have one and it's in good shape. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, God. So, yeah. So the fact that we are not spiritually literate, a nation that's really not spiritually literate, and we have these young people growing up well, you know, just because the school system has changed, mm-hmm. um, they now no longer have a Bible um, right there in school. And you have um, parents that are busy um, rushing to work to make ends meet. Um, so we're dashing out in the morning and we're dropping the kids to school and we're coming home late at night because we have to work extra and then we have to rush, 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 rush. And pick up food on the way home and quickly eat. And then there's homework and there's whatever, whatever, whatever. How do we do this, Pastor? How do we become spiritually literate when our lives are so full of everything that we have to get done? Good question, good question. 
Yeah, I, I, I believe, Don, it, it is going to be about priorities. Mm. Um, you know, if I am in love with Jesus and I want to know what he desires for me, then I will spend quality time with him. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's like any other relationship. I can't say I love my wife and never spend quality time with her. I can't mm-hmm. say I love my children and never spend quality time with them. Mm-hmm. And so if we prioritize spirituality and we prioritize a relationship with God, then it won't be an addendum to our lives or something we just attach on, you know, at the beginning or end of the, of the day. No, it will actually saturate our lives. And unfortunately for Christians, especially in the, in the West, um, we, we, miss, we miss the importance of what it means to, to really be Christians. Because for many of us, our spiritual life is separate from every other aspect of our lives. Yes. So spiritual yeah. life amounts to attending church on the weekend, mm-hmm. and then we do whatever else we want mm-hmm. during the week. Or um, our spiritual life consists on just saying a prayer, rushing out. When you come home, say another prayer, and that's it. But through the day and through our weeks, we hardly consider God and what he wants for us. Um, The Bible is God's guide for every day and every aspect of our lives. Mm -hmm. And so if we really want to grow spiritually, we have to study it. And I I, I said it in the sermon. The word of Mm -hmm. God is not a cake for special occasion. I only Mm -hmm. eat wedding cakes on weddings. I only eat, um, you know, oh, I guess that's the only cake. Birthday cakes on birthday. <laughs> I, I can't tell you that I go to a wedding every day. I don't. Mm. And um, if I'm going to be sustained, I must eat the word of God. Jesus himself says that, you know, we must eat his flesh and drink his blood. We're not cannibals. What he's talking about there is being saturated by the, the word of God. Yes, and that's always going to happen for us to grow in 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 our spiritual experience. So, what are some steps that we can actually take to make this a reality in our busy lives? Steps mm-hmm. we can take to make this a reality in our busy life. Number one, we have to prioritize prayer and the study of God's word, and we must do that on an individual level. And if you have a family, do it on a family level. So, for example, you get up in the morning and. You don't rush through this exercise, but you spend time with God. Um, I've learned that I have to rearrange things in my life. Today, I had a meeting with the pastors, and we're talking about time management. And there are three things we identified. Number one, if you want to manage your day and the time, you have to record what you do with your time. And the Mm -hmm. next thing, you have to remove all the unproductive stuff. And then you have to consolidate the, the, the time you have to maximize on getting things done. So as I remove the unnecessaries, I am able to, and record my time, know what I'm doing my time, I'm able to now say I can spend, and this again is very important because whatever you practice becomes your routine. So I will mm-hmm. say, God, by your grace, I'm waking up at five every morning and between five and 5.30, this is my time for prayer and reflection on your word. Some people might be able to do that for an hour. Another thing I do is this, and I recommend to anyone, each week there's a scripture that I commit to memory where I yeah. I uh, 
during the day at least three times, I'll look at this. And so for an entire week, I'll do my best to memorize that. One of the things we should do is to memorize scripture, committed yes. to memory. When the Bible says that word I've hid in my heart, it doesn't mean it's hid away somewhere and can't be found. It means that it's been committed to memory. So you spend time, be deliberate about spending time in God's word, memorize and repeat scripture throughout the day, identify specific times for prayer. Um, the Bible tells us that Daniel prayed three times a day. So he mm-hmm. had a practice of prayer. Another thing that is important is to make fasting and prayer routine. Some people may fast once a month. Others may fast once a week. The point is spirituality and growing in spiritual uh, experience is not going to happen by chance. You have yes. to be intentional about it. Another thing is make sure you end your day with your family. Start your day with your family and pray in the study of God's word and end the day with the same. There are many devotional books out there. Um, yeah. Ellen White has written many devotional books. Uh, that's an option. There are other writers who have written very good devotional books. Use that as a part of your worship routine. And I would also encourage that for children, make your worship experience as simple but as meaningful as possible. Children mm-hmm. love to sing. Sing the mm-hmm. word of God. Sing songs. Sing songs that have meaning. Teach them how to pray. And so you're fostering a culture because the habits you develop will create your character. And in the same way, these habits can foster spiritual culture. And all of this is being done with the understanding that you're responding to God's grace and his love. So you're not doing this to gain anything from God because we can't buy our salvation. But because God has been so good to us, we respond to that in kind by spending quality time with him in different ways. And these are some of the things we can do. And whatever works for you, that's what's important. Do it, do it consistently, do it constantly so that it develops into a habit and eventually a character for you. Amen. Amen. Wow. That's awesome. Awesome. I I had one more question. You spoke at the end about the the works of the flesh uh, in Galatians 5, I think 21. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you end it with the fruits of the spirit. I have one question about that. We have people that try to do both. And it, it's just, I don't know, it just, it has to be separate. But I, I've had people to tell me that it's like they have the fruit of the spirit, but yet still they have these things in the flesh and they're working on that. What would you tell them? What would, <laughs> what would you actually tell them? Because you'd be surprised if some people, they think they can intertwine the two when you know you can't. And I get, well, <laughs> yeah, that that um, the, the Bible makes a clear distinction between what the works of the flesh are and what yeah. the fruit of the Spirit is. One of the things we must identify is that as we grow in grace, we are going to, by God's grace, eliminate all the bad. I think Jesus gives a very good example where he talks about in, in the Gospels, he talks about uh, an evil spirit that lived in a house and was removed. And then the evil spirit came back and noticed that the house was well clean, but not occupied. Right, and the, right. yeah, that evil spirit went and got seven devils worse than himself to occupy. Mm-hmm. The point is this. As you're growing in grace, when you eliminate uh, the works of the flesh, you have to replace those with the fruit of the spirit. Yeah. So you eliminate and replace. It's not just eliminate and that's it. No. Additionally, if you're eliminating, because again, 
both can coexist. That's confusion. Both can mm-hmm. coexist. So I can't be committing murder and claiming that I love my brother. That, that's just <laughs> no, no. Yeah, I, it, it, it doesn't work like that. The only reason I would say this is because you know what what Apostle Paul meant, and I know a lot of people are conflicted with that. Right, and that's the point we're making. So the 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 other point which speaks to that is this. Um, I, I hope we all understand and appreciate this. As long as the devil is alive and we're mm-hmm. on this earth, we will always be in a fight. And Paul calls it the fight of faith. And he says we must fight the good fight of faith. Yeah. Because the old nature is always going to try to regain supremacy. Mm-hmm. And so, for example, if I used to drink or smoke or do things that weren't right, as the Lord helps me to remove these, I'm not going to put myself in any position where I'm going to be tempted um, to, 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 to practice these things again. And yeah. as I'm growing, I understand the devil will not stop at anything to try to tempt me. But number one, I'm not going to intentionally go put myself on the devil's ground. And number two, I understand that if and when such a temptation comes, the Bible says, there are no temptation fallen us, but that is common to man. But God is able to give us the strength needed to overcome. Yes. Let me also describe it this way, J. Wall. Paul talks about the fact that this body of death, and that's what Paul calls it. And in, in his times, one of the ways they would punish criminals is they would get a dead body and they would make lacerations on the back of the dead body. And then they would make the same lacerations on your back as the the, the offender or the prisoner. And then they would tie that dead body onto you. So imagine the cuts are on the back of the dead body and then they're on your back and they tie that to you. All that deadness is oozing into you. And because it's tied to you in such a way, you can't redeem yourself from it. But if you're tied to that, ultimately it's going to poison and destroy you. And that's why Paul was saying... O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Because ultimately, the works of the flesh, that's what it is. And you can't, let me put it this way. The Christian life is not a modification or an improvement of the old life. It's Mm -hmm. a total change. So if I was going in north and it's the wrong way, I don't go northeast and say, oh, that's the way. No. It's the same northerly direction. I make a U-turn and I go south. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a change. It's like a car. You have cars in this country. They are, you can have a rebuilt title. You can have a rebuilt car that looks very nice, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that the car is new. The Bible <laughs> says if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. Amen. And that's what's important. While we may, we will always have to contend with the temptations that come by virtue of the fact that the devil is alive and that we have developed and inherited certain tendencies, the Bible says that if any man is in Christ, we are new creatures. So we are called to be different from what we were before we knew Jesus Christ. And that's why the Bible says the works of the flesh is one thing. And then it says, but the fruit of a spirit. And but is a conjunction that negates everything that was before. So I can be a child of God and a child of the devil at the same time. If I am in Christ, I am a new creature. It has to be but Christ. Amen. 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 I like that. Thanks for the clarification on that, my brother. Mm -hmm. You have anything else, darling? 
No, no, no. Okay. All right. Well, hey, you got to take you, Pastor, out of the archives. You have to give me more often, okay? <laughs> you have to come back. I'll do my best. I'll do my best. You had to go back in the archives and find who you were. <laughs> no, but we want to thank you. I hope that you and your wife have a wonderful Valentine's Day. As for you, Don, and, and myself, that we have a wonderful day with our spouses. Thank you all. Thank you all. And, you, and once again, we be blessed. Uh, and thank you for the t- timely message. Thank you so much for that. And I hope you have a blessed week, my brother. As always, we ask our speakers to pray us out. Let's pray. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for what you've done for us through Jesus Christ. And our assurance today is that you love us and that you have provided everything we need to live the lives of overcomers. And so fill us with your spirit and may your spirit allow the fire of your truth and your light to keep burning in all our hearts so that others can see your good works in us and come to glorify you. And that is our desire, God, to lead others to know you. And may we be found faithful to enter your kingdom when Jesus comes again, because we have learned to trust him and to depend on him. Thank you for this podcast. We pray that lives will be changed and be be made the better for this ministry. And we love you, God, and we pray that you come soon. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. My brother, thank you. Be blessed, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Blessings. All right. Take care, Don. Thank you so much. All right. You're very welcome. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.